We are back, CBS. We're back yes. after one nearly one month of I wouldn't say inactivity, but we it's been a month since we did a joint podcast together. Uh, but this is gonna be a good one. Uh, I think we're today we're gonna be talking about uh COVID, a very general topic, but I think we could divide this up into two parts. One, we'll talk about the current, I would say, distrust or hysteria of vaccines, the myths, uh, and stuff of that nature. And also the second part, we'll tackle the impacts of what COVID, how, how COVID impacted society and what we need to do in the future in order for us to tackle a future crisis or a future epidemic, a pandemic, sorry. Uh, pandemic. So, first, Seb, I want to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, do you are you familiar with that? Like how he said he commented on vaccines, and he did he mentioned uh, he reacted or responded to uh mainly republicans or conservatives the belief that oh i shouldn't wear a mask i shouldn't get the vaccine because it's a violation of my freedoms and schwarzenegger while in his uh response did say screw your freedoms and that has been taken not too lightly um like first what do you feel about that like how in general how did you like react to that um uh i I didn't have any sort of reaction to it necessarily i think i think he was in the right but he was also in the wrong at the same time i think he was somewhat in the right in terms of i can understand his frustration when it comes to people not wanting to get vaccinated and things along that line because it's like you know it's not just meant to protect you it's also meant to protect the people around you and you know you're being considerate of other people and making sure that they're safe and you're safe also and your family and your loved ones are safe but I also feel he's also in the wrong because it's also in within someone's right in my opinion to choose not to get vaccinated although I might not agree with that sentiment, you know, um, I still believe it's, it comes down to personal choice, but you shouldn't, you know, but, I, but I do understand his frustration and where he was coming from with that tweet. Yeah. Uh, well, I would have to comment on how you disagreed. Um, I think, I don't know if I could speak for Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I read his Atlantic article, which, uh, he, um, uh shared with his like with people who follow him and i read it and i think he really makes a like makes a good argument or a good point rather that yes that and this is what how i believe also that people do have the the right to not be vaccinated even uh even like that like I'm kind of disappointed in people who don't get vaccinated because, well, that's personal, but I do recognize that they're, they have the right, but he make, he argues that to get vaccinated, 
to wear a mask. It's rather more American than not wearing one or not getting a vaccine. He makes uh, following protocols rather a duty to not, not to not, I wouldn't say to the government, but to the idea of the United States of America. So basically you're doing a service to the people, not only around you, but to the entire nation uh, by protecting yourself. You're also protecting others, people who in your neighborhood, in your community and everywhere you go, and possibly people in another state, if you choose to travel there, or, and if in the collective sense, if everyone does follow protocol, they are engaging in a patriotic practice. You're saving a lot, you're saving lives. You're protecting other people's most important right to choose to live. Because I, I assume that a lot of people would want to live. And if you're basically protecting a person's right to life. And I think that kind of trumps uh, the other freedom of not wearing something around your face or not getting a vaccine. And the, I mean, you should get a vaccine. I mean, I don't know what the argument, the, the belief that vaccines have chemicals or microchips uh, that the government is purposefully in, uh, making manufacturing these vaccines to control people. I think the government would have good intelligence to know that people who get the vaccine are people who would more likely follow the rules. And I, don't, I just don't like see how like the government would want to like what mind control you or just to uh, control you through this vaccine. Like, I, I just don't see like what the government would gain, but like, I like speaking about this is like, it's, I mean, it's like shocking that people, that there are some people who believe this, but it is shown that through the CDC that although the vaccines were manufactured in a very quick stage, very quickly. I mean, it's, it's, it was like that. The vaccines were made and distributed quickly because of the urgency of the crisis. And, uh, but I recognize that people do have, uh, do have questions about vaccines and are skeptical about it, but, yeah. um, because like historically when Edward Jenner, who was a doctor, who was a doctor who, who like the doc, who was, who was a doctor who first, like, I guess, popularized the vaccine. He, he like, uh, he was the first one who manufactured, not manufactured, but come up with a smallpox vaccine. And this was around, I would assume, the 17th century, the 18th century, but I probably am wrong about that. But after Edward Jenner popularized the smallpox vaccine, people were still um, 
people were questioning it because it was a relatively new thing. And they just didn't uh, react to, uh, kindly to a thing that they that injects decks something into your body and that's kind of understandable it has historical precedent i think that i think that the skepticism i see where you're coming from so yeah for at least from the beginning you know people have been skeptical of things like that but i think this skepticism primarily revolves around what you said um a little earlier about probably the how quickly the COVID vaccine was, you know, manufactured and then released to the public. You know, like, uh, I don't know, like some people might have their reservations about how maybe an important step was missed or there could be a side effect that, uh, um, a hidden or unknown side effect that we don't know about. So most people are very hesitant to actually rush in and get it considering how quickly it was made. Yeah, the, that is, I would say that is understandable. But if you look into the, um, like, if you look deeper into it, um, I mean, just, uh, I would say a couple of weeks ago, the FDA approved, what was it, the Pfizer, but uh, what was it, the Pfizer vaccine? I think, I th yeah, I think, let me check. Really yeah, concerned. but whatever, whatever type of vaccine it was, it was approved that it, the CCD. Um, yeah, it was basically surprising. like promoted. Well, it's obvious that they did promote vaccine use and mask mandates, but it it also goes. I want to talk also talk about like this is re uh, in relation to what we just talked about is the lack of trust in public health organizations and in the government. Um, in this case, I just don't see the value of the government. Like the people believe that the government is out to hurt you or out to mind control you, but there's no really gain for them. I mean, the public health organizations have through his, uh, through like recent history have, have like contributed to the common good. I mean, the World Health Organization, there is this global campaign and the United States contributed money to this to eliminate smallpox in around, I would say, the 80s or 90s. I mean, it was an international effort to make sure that smallpox uh, was eradicated completely. And they did. Mind you, this is like a global effort of government. I mean, that alone should say that now the government, public health organizations are not here to hurt you or they're just here to help you. And yes, I do understand that there are skepticism about government, its efficiency and its intentions. I mean, recently in Afghanistan, I would say I am very mad about how the government, particularly the United States military, is uh, portraying itself in foreign uh, affairs and in foreign policy. And it's too, I would say, argue that it's too militaristic, it's too imperialist. But in this matter, we're talking about public health. Yeah. I mean, the government needs to keep its citizens healthy. That's how, that's what 
the government should do and has been that what it was like, I guess, meant to do since the words provide for the general welfare was written in the United States Constitution. And like, obviously the government needs people because they need taxes. I mean, like, but um, yeah, but I just wanted to like, I wanted to like add in this, uh, the myths and the hysteria going around the skepticism. But uh, I want to go, if you don't have any comments, like, do you have any comments on this? No, not really. I, well, Mm, partially but uh they're uh probably not really i think you, i think overall that people should get vaccinated probably just you know out of um I, th I think it's important and just that um you know people should also just have the common decency to care about you know not just their own health but the people around them but that's about it yeah again like i would argue it's a duty your health, uh, you're not only saving, you're saving yourselves, you're saving others. And in, uh, in a broader sense, saving people who live in the United States and also around the world, but it's a patriotic. And I think that should be, if you think about it that way, then I think getting vaccinated or wearing masks is justified. But I want to go into a, not only complain about vaccine myths, but also looking into not only what has happened or what is happening now, also what will, what should, what will or should happen in the future, um, particularly uh, COVID, uh, COVID's impact on society and particularly in American society. And I think we have all witnessed uh, the Asian American hate or a AAPI uh, hate, particularly um, there has been incidents, attacks in New York City and San Francisco and other areas in the United States when elderly Asian women, as well as uh, particularly elderly Asian women were attacked by people because uh, of the fear, because of getting, because of the fear of COVID, because uh, I would say because, I mean, due to COVID originating in Wuhan, China, uh, people have speculated that oh, the not only the Chinese are to blame for, that there are some people who think that this was um, a purposeful effort to release COVID into the West and destroy the economy so that China could rise and be the most powerful nation in the world. But um, that sort of, I guess, scapes, uh, scapegoating has affected how we, like, like has affected um, like, social, like social matters, like uh, specifically people because COVID came from China that Chinese people or Asian people are to blame for bringing COVID into the United States. And personally, as a Korean American, it's a very uh, hard, like it's obviously a heartbreaking thing uh, because 
I mean, the fact that elderly Asian women are being attacked uh, makes me uh, fearful for my grandma or just my mom in general, or just to like every, uh, just to um, like other members of my family, also my friends and also uh, my mom's friends. And yeah, the list goes on. And I would say, I, I would say that this kind of scapegoating to a particular community is not that old. It's, it's, no, I would, sorry. It's, I mean, it's like, there has been historical precedent to what is happening, that what has happened last year. Uh, I read, a, I'm reading a book called Epidemics in Society from the Black Death Up Death to the Present by Frank M. Snowden. He's a Yale professor. It's a, uh, talks about diseases and certain eras of history and their societal impacts on art, on how people uh, view life, react to other like nations and stuff like that. And during the Black Death or the plague, uh, the immediate aftermath, no, not like the immediate aftermath and during the epidemic, people, Europeans blame Jews for bringing this sort of plague into Europe because a lot of Europeans thought this was like God's punishment, that um, God's punishment to the Europeans or people in Europe for like the sins or uh, whatever. And this caused like a sort of thinking amongst Europeans saying, oh, there probably are some sinners amongst our society who brought this plague into uh, our communities and they blamed prostitutes they blamed the jews and i want to target the jews because that is sort of relates to what is happening now that because a virus comes into america from a particular country asia uh, china or a, a group a region asia that people start to think oh asians have brought this virus into america and it's a very uh horrific thing and i i think i don't know i normally i would I, I first to solve this it's obviously to bring awareness to this and to educate yourself on not only like viruses in general and how they impact society but just to be amongst uh just to be in this movement to say i mean asian americans did not bring this virus or there are not the virus. They're just people who have lived in America. Um, yeah, but I yeah. think the, the overall like solution is to just to be educated, just to not make these rash assumptions and just yeah. bring awareness to this. Yeah, quite quite frankly i see it i find it very disappointing that events like this have transpired at all because it, it shows how uneducated people can be or how people can take you know crisis crises like this and use this as an opportunity to um justify in a sense whatever towards whatever kind of hatred or 
um, you know, they vendetta they might have towards a certain group of people. I just think that, you know, overall it's disappointing. It's kind of disheartening because, you know, it, it's just a matter of treating people with respect. You know, this isn't how, like, I think we can both agree this generally isn't how people should, you know, act or conduct themselves. And this isn't what, um, this isn't what society's about or this isn't what life is about yeah and uh, you could also say like also like claim how the previous administration of how uneducated they were uh like uneducated they did weren't aware i mean the uh, i would i would argue either they were not aware of what of how were or like how much words matter or they were purposeful of how much of like the rhetoric that they use. Yeah. Uh, either way, it has caused a lot of problems and it has uh, contributed to the rise of Asian hate crimes and the Asian anti-Asian sentiment. And specifically, President Trump has indeed used terms like the Chinese, the China virus or Kung flu. And I mean, that itself has, like people would interpret that as hey, like this virus, we should blame Asians or the Chinese government, Asians, for bringing this virus and ruining my life, uh, ruining, like, uh, basically my livelihood, like, uh, making me lose my job or making, making me, like, try to, like, get as money as, as I can, whatever means possible. I mean, the effects of this virus, like, of COVID, I mean, like reading the book, Epidemics in Society, I, I, it gave me a new perspective of how I see COVID. It's not like something that made me not go to school for several months that is causing this public health issue. It's causing a very societal, societal issue. And I want to go, uh, it's causing like how we interact as people, particularly among uh, Asian Americans and uh, other people. Um, and also I want to go into another realm that is the, another impact on society that like another like impact that COVID is making right now. And I would say in, in addition to, um, uh, how do I say this? I would say that COVID is also affecting how we, how poor people and wealthy people see each other because uh, I think according to IMF blog or something that in the early stages of COVID COVID uh, in the early stages of COVID which was like around March during early 2020 COVID hit poor people the most or more than wealthy individuals because of how like the community amongst uh, poorer people, it's more dense in population. So that would mean the virulence of COVID is very, um, I guess, high, or it's very uh, like a lot. It's, you have a more, a more of a chance to be infective of COVID and thus experience the symptoms and you're more likely to die from COVID. Um, and also, in addition, poorer people 
they often work what we term essential jobs. So like grocery stores, delivery, well, retail. Uh, but because all of them, because of this huge shutdown, they don't really have a safety net or as much income to um, get the necessary resources or healthcare to fight the virus if they get infected. And in just in general, poor people don't really have the resources, whether it would be like testing or uh, the testing, the food, the money to just like be healthy, just to fight against the pandemic. Well, unlike wealthy, wealthier individuals who do have the resources, who do have the money and, and the resources and basically the safety net to not only help themselves, but also their families. And this reminded me of a chapter in, my, in the book, Epidemics in Society, of uh, cholera. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, like cho- yeah cholera in uh, Naples, which is in Italy during the late 19th century. I mean, that situation was in, more intense because it was in the, an older time period. But what happened was that cho- uh, cholera mainly affected the poorer part of Naples because of the nature of the bacteria. It like it reproduced in like slums because of the dirty environment. And because of that, poor people were affected more, unlike the wealthier individuals, uh, wealthier Italians who had clean water, who had clean, uh, who washed their hands, who ate good food. And this caused like this, like, 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 uh, uh, this like tension between the rich and the poor. And it went, it was like in general a crazy situation because the poor like retaliated any sort of health, uh, health, public health measure that the doctors like or the government imposed. I would assume that in this situation for COVID that it's not going to be that intense, but I would assume that there are there's going to be some individual sentiment or like com- like this community sentiment of all oh, like. Uh, wealthier individuals or like this wealth, this sentiment against wealthy individuals. And yeah, but also poor people, there's also in this like class tension, there's also a racial tension because poorer people, according to the Human Rights Watch, are more like like black people and Latino people are more likely to be in poverty. So it says here about 21% of black people and 18% of Hispanic people live under the poverty line compared with 8% of white people. The median white household has 41 times more wealth than the black uh, median, the median black family and 22 times more than the median Latino family. So not only have recessions disproportionately affected Black and Latino families, COVID disproportionately affects those types of communities. And that alone would create what I again said, a racial bias, like this racial tension, this like sentiment amongst uh, Black and Latino communities 
of, oh, yeah, white people have this sort of, yeah, white privilege. They're more better off. They're richer. They're, they don't experience what I experienced, particularly in COVID. They're just, uh, they're just safe in their big houses or whatever. And while I'm stuck here trying to get mo- as much money as I can, as like, so I could buy as much food as I can just to try to survive. And it's very horrific to see. And I think um, that concludes what is happening right now. And if you, uh, Seb, if you have like any comments, feel free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, nothing, nothing really that I have to add. I think it does overall just, um, it does uh, identify, I guess you could say, an issue of class, if that makes any sense. And just, you know, the economic, where families stand economically today and how because of COVID people are losing their jobs, people can't, a lot of people don't have access to, you know, good and quality healthcare. So, and, you know, a lot of people that have lost their jobs are just stretching out their savings just so that they and their families can make it through the pandemic. So I think it also does address how serious um, um, classes in this country or how serious of an issue class struggle um, really is, at, at least at this point. Yeah, and um, it reminds me when I uh, went to the NS, uh, NSLC camp and met um, uh, other people who were Marxists and uh, communists, and they said they believed in it because uh, it promotes, uh, there's like, it promotes racial equality. And I see that now saying that there's, there's no really, uh, there's no um, difference between like, I guess, I would say that economic, that economic issues are tied with social issues. That uh, the way that the economy works affects how like particularly in America protects, uh, like it affects how, well, how should I say this? That social issues are inherently economic. That the way that racial tensions now are caused by like economic decisions and economic outcomes. So the point is that, I mean, there's so much economic or wealth inequality. And if you look deeper into that equality, there's also racial equality. Um, that white Americans are more likely to be better off than black Americans and Latino Americans. So in this particular issue of public health and COVID, I would say that the remedy or the solution would be to have first to not only address to address wealth inequality by specifically instituting a sort of universal socialized or Medicare for all plan so that in essence it could uh, make 
healthcare accessible to almost every American, particularly the poor, uh, poor Americans. And amongst that group of poor Americans, there are Black and Latino Americans, or also poor white Americans who need healthcare and or need the resources to protect their health and their family's health and their community's health to basically fight off this disease. And if we, if there is a future pandemic of this size or even a deadlier size, or like a, a that people, that if we had that plan in place that people in general, uh, poorer people could be, read, uh, be ready to uh, tackle the disease in general. And I assume that in addition to Medicare for all, and other sort of plans that not only will we be prepared for the next pandemic, but we would also solve the deeper, the racial disparities in this country. So, yeah, that's yeah. my take on that. No, I see what you mean. I also think it's beneficial because, you know, um, not only probably help people save money but you know i also feel that it would also make more people uh confident in the sense to get back to work you know because you have people who can't afford um you know a lot of uh, you know basic needs in terms of healthcare. them having access to things like the vaccine and quality health care would probably also give them the opportunity as well as the confidence to go back to work and not really have to think too much about getting sick. But, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah because, I, you know, in, in general, I think that, you know, healthcare and is one is definitely one of, is definitely an essential right. That's one of the essential rights that I believe should be afforded to every American. So, uh, yeah, that's it for me, though. Essentially, we want Marxism in America, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, geez, but it's a joke, guys. Don't can't conservatives don't go go after us, okay? Please. Yeah, yeah. We already lost lost one follower yesterday. <laughs> okay, but um, I mean. Yeah, I think that's uh, that concludes, I guess, the podcast. I, I think this is very, um, I don't know. And it, I've seen a lot of people trying to uh, advocate for vaccine use and mask mandates, and that is good. I mean, I support that wholeheartedly. But there's this like whole, I don't think we should, I think there should be this, uh, there should be more uh, attention to the societal impacts of COVID. Uh, basically, there's that all, not COVID has brought attention to not only the public health, but also the healthcare uh, problem that we have in this country, which ties to the problem of wealth inequality, which ties to racial inequality. I mean, like, like it, I think it's. I would say COVID has brought more light to these issues 
and uh, and I think that it will have certainly have an impact, and I I will I think it yeah it does have an impact on basically um, governance in general. It, it's just that I think more and more people I would assume are seeing this and saying, hey, we need to change the status quo. And yeah, I think um, overall that not only will I have to tackle um, Asian American hate, we have to tackle, we have to try to convince people to get vaccines and wear masks and to bring more trust into uh, public health organizations uh, we have to uh, educate people on the wealth and racial disparities, the class disparities. And yeah, I think that's a good way to end it off. Yep. So I will definitely put in the book and the several articles into the, I, ho I hopefully there's like this text box under uh, if you click on Spotify or whatever, but it will be available. And this is Hail to the Bod, and I'll see you guys later.